Welcome to Fantastic Talks. Uh, we're a passionate academic team dedicated to research concerning the fantastic. We have a range of activities which you can explore on our website, imaginingtheimpossible.com, uh, or on our Instagram, um, where we delve into all sorts of different topics that sort of circle around the fantastic. My name is Sarah Sander, and I'm a bachelor's student in film and media here in Denmark. Today, we also have a guest along uh, from Denmark. Would you please introduce yourself? Yeah, hello. My name is Sissel Sandmann and as you said, I'm from Denmark. And I'm a fantasy and sci-fi author. And I have a master's degree in Danish. And I actually wrote my thesis on queerness in medieval ballads. Awesome. Uh, also, the Sander is non-related as far as I'm concerned. It's just a funny coincidence for today that we have the same last name. <laughs> Yeah, it is. <laughs> Can you start by telling me uh, what you're working on currently? Currently, I just um, uh, made the first book in a new uh, trilogy, um, Flammebølgen, The Flame and the Way. It's sci-fi, so it's not um, fantastic literature in the strictest sense, but I... Um, think in a lot of the same topics um, than I did in my other books. Um, and I just uh, sent the first one out on the market and I'm working on the second. So what kind of sci-fi setting is it? It's a dystopia, a climate fiction. And, you know, I'm, apart from all the other things I do, I'm also, uh, I make fire shows. I um, uh, fire breather. Wow. And I, uh, yeah, <laughs> and I use that in a dystopic setting. Um, and actually, in, uh, in this uh, novel, I don't uh, work as much with sexuality than I used to, used to but more like um, uh, family and uh, that dynamics um, because I'm. Um, I take from my own life um, the fire show. Mm. When I make the fire show, it with my mom and my two sisters. Um, in this novel, the world, I, it's a drowned world. You can mm. say um, there is a lot of islands and there is uh, the people living inside. Oh, so like the separated community, like protected community from the flooding. Yeah, protect, protected from the flooding and some, uh, someone, uh, the asylum seekers are living outside mm. um, near the water. Do you already feel like that there are a lot of connected themes to our world <laughs> in terms of that? The, the picture of people seeking refugees? Yes, of course. I think um, one of the great things with um, dystopian fiction is that it's essentially just a comment <laughs> on problems in our society today. So, yeah. There's the, there are the different types of sci-fi. There are the ones that are, uh, that are more dystopian and then there are the utopian ones. There are the ones where we end up ruining the earth so much yeah. that we have to go and travel through space or that we just uh, decay each other locally on earth and can't really figure out to, to use our tools properly. Um, so yours is kind of a, 
uh, lost world setting. Yeah, we have sort of lost control of the earth yeah, somehow. It is. Yeah, we have, and actually we retained it a little bit. Um, are there any works of other sci-fi that you were inspired by, or that you draw inspiration from for this? Yeah, a lot, a lot. Um, both other uh, sci-fi, also just you know poetry and things like that, poetry and things like that. Um, but of course, um, 1984, mm. um, always um, <laughs> one of the greatest dystopian novels ever written, I think. Um, also, uh, We of Yamatsin, uh, Russian sci-fi. Mm. Um, I don't know the, its Russian name, but it's translated into English to We. Um, uh, also, actually, The Walking Dead, not because there's any zombies in it, but, but because it shows what happens to people um, when they are uh, under pressure. Right, yeah. There's been a lot of attention on uh, the zombie universes, not for their zombies, but for their human interactions um, in, in fiction yes. lately. And it's interesting for me to hear a concept yes. that uh, can sort of analyze or look at the same dynamic but without dead people but just the fear of water instead <laughs> yes, exactly the water and the the fire um mm. i use um the fire a lot of course and the chaotic nations uh, the chaotic nature of fire and water are different uh chaotic natures, if you can say so. It also draws from fantasy in that respect that is, I have some um, places in the novel where, it, you know, it is hard sci-fi. It's mm. more, um, uh, there is a scientific <laughs> um, background, but the way the people, um, interpret it, it feels, it's more like magic. It isn't magic, but the, the feel and the um, perception is mm. more like magic. Mm. Um, because I, I started as a fantasy writer, I still write fantasy, mm. and I like um, uh, the things you can do. The aesthetics, the, the universes of fantasy. Yes, exactly. How come you find uh, fantasy or, or sci-fi more fun to write than, I mean, you've studied medieval uh, and uh, history. It's actually funny, but uh, history, medieval literature, it's so, um, it's a whole other universe, actually. Of course it isn't, I know that, but the way uh, <laughs> <It's our universe. laughs> the, the world I see, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's actually funny, you know. Um, Many people see um, the Middle Ages um, as, uh, as, you know, uh, heteronormative. Um, it has been uh, perceived as extremely heteronormative. Uh, mm. And this is partly due to a lot of uh, high fantasy fiction takes place in a medieval setting. Mm. That's also true for out of my 10 novels. Mm. And everyone knows that you cannot find anything more heteronormative than the Middle Ages, <laughs> they know. You know, uh, 
that was when men were men, uh, quite liberal in knights in shining armor and uh, women were princesses or ladies. Um, we have learned that from modern interpretation of folk takes to Disney, uh, modern editions of Arthurian legend, Lord of the Rings, all. Um, but the Middle Ages wasn't. Through fantasy depictions of the Middle Ages. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and, they, and they are informing the way uh, a lot of people see the Middle Ages. They see it um, through the lenses made out of, made of uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, they see, uh, Cinderella, uh, um, you know, these kind of... Uh, Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's, it's, it's funny because um, the Middle Ages uh, weren't heteronormative. The thing I have with the um, Middle Ages is that they show us how unnatural or how strange our ways of seeing things as genders, things as sexuality, things as um, the different norms, how mm. unnatural and how made they are. And I think fantasy and mm. uh, sci-fi can do the same thing. It can show us another universe, another world that could make us um, think about our ways of living. And in fantasy and uh, sci-fi dystopic things like that you you have the freedom to um to make it even more the the gender difference more extreme more extreme exactly and i like that i like i have mm. the freedom to um, invoke these things mm. on my readers to sort of create a bigger contrast to be able to frame the narratives around yeah. that. Yeah. But I think it's really interesting what you said about the Middle Ages being like a different lens, just rather than a, just a factual, uh, I mean, of course, it's also factual studies to be able to look at the Middle Ages and the way that they behaved, but from a analytical, creative perspective to sort of say, today I'm putting my middle age lens on, today I'm putting my fantasy lens on, today I'm putting my sci-fi lens on, and thinking about how those aspects might compare to our society to make me reflect over my current situation. And I think that's very interesting to like compare the middle ages to, because the past is just a story that's been told again, even though it's factual what happened, so much of it is still us just trying to uncover what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And also when you, like me, um, work with literature, um, medieval literature, it isn't history. A straight line. It isn't a straight line. It is, mm. it is their dreams, their imagination. Mm. So it doesn't tell us how right, to, yeah. they live. They tell, they, um, um, the medieval ballads tell me what they, did they dream of. Uh, how did they understand mm -hmm. their world? Um, and and it's funny because um, the medieval ballads. Yeah, now you got me started. But the medieval ballads are today. Um, we, we in Denmark we have one of the largest uh, collection of medieval ballads in the world. Wow. And and a lot of we have yeah it's it and they are um, written down early. Much earlier than in uh, Britain and in France and places like that. We have uh, written it down uh, in the early Renaissance. But the funny thing is, we have over 500 
different uh, medieval ballads, but most people only know maybe 20. And these 20s are the ones that, um, uh, yeah, sorry, white male in the uh, um, 19th century uh, choose. Oh, right. And uh, choose to uh, highlight. Choose to, yeah, to highlight and to actually also um, uh, translate. Oh. <laughs> so, because a lot of them isn't translate, oh. translated, uh, many people can't um, read the others and they choose um, the ones that was in line oh. with their oh. uh, way of seeing a lot of different things um, so there is there is the ones we know and then there is a, a whole corpus of other ones of course it's there you find the 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 the, the queer um, right yeah sexualities if you can use the term that mm. it's funny the whole idea of queerness in like ancient times and the way that like modern archaeologists or historians have sort of undug it and then put their own angle on it, sort of uncritically thinking, well, in my current time, in the 1920s or whatever, this must be the correct way to analyze this past fiction somehow. And that we're basically yeah. just trying to fix or <laughs> rediscover uh, <laughs> ancient fictions in a new way and try and understand more of their perspective at that time, but also just allowing ourselves to reinterpret them. We always talk about yeah. how imagination in hu human um, humanity has been the same through history. That we always like to draw and sing and act and imagine. But I think this research kind of... Uh, sheds a light on the fact that our imagination has been different through time. It's, it's um, funny to look at the similarities, but it's even more interesting for me, I think, to look, up, to look at the differences and uh, try to understand a little thing. When we talk about sexuality in the Middle Ages, um, it, well, sexuality is a domain that is interesting to us today. Um, and that interest has made us look back in time to find a phenomenon similar to our perception of what sexuality is. The same is true for normativity. Um, and, and if you try, and it's, it's really hard if you try to, um, to understand or, um, or imagine a world where, you, where the, the notion normativity isn't a thing it's actually very hard because it's a um, big part of modern society you know we have a, a normal <laughs> a statistic uh, normal and uh, and in the the middle ages you had an ideal uh, you know uh, mm. uh, christianity and things like that the, the ideal was the um, was the big thing and you couldn't reach it. It wasn't. It it it, it wasn't possible. Mm. Um, and a lot of the things we today see as unnatural, it it was natural in in uh, the Middle Ages. But natural wasn't good <laughs> because it was <laughs> divided from heaven. <laughs> right. But isn't there still some sort of degree of idealization in modern, like pop culture, for example, like with pop stores or Instagram, that you have to reach a certain perfection um, and not 
just look normal, but you have to be the most skinny, the most beautiful, the most perfect face. Yeah, of course. Of course, you're absolutely right. And that's, um, you can see it as a, a, as a problem. I actually uh, touch it in my newest novel where they are on the, uh, the mental net. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, constantly. Um, so, but the difference is in today, the ideal it's working because you have a you have the possibility of reaching it. Of course, it's hard. Mm. Of course, uh, these things can be done, uh, but they, they can be done. You you can reach it. Um, in the medieval, the uh, ideal is a religious thing. Mm. Um, and only, you know, like martyrs and mm -hmm. <laughs> things like that ever reach it. Yeah. Um, so, so, so it's a different kind of ideal. But of course, we still have ideals. We don't uh, go for the norm, everybody. We want to be apart from the norm. But we still use the norm mm -hmm. as a way of uh, measuring uh, where we are in, in life. Right, yeah. We don't have the collective spiritual guilt or fear of the afterlife in the same way that no. affect them to motivate them towards being a better person nowadays it's more what kind of debt will i leave behind to my children rather than yeah how will exactly. i pay my debt when i die <laughs> and actually the way uh, religion um is constructed it's it's actually a thing i in my high fantasy novels, I use a lot of time and how uh, religion is used mm. to manipulate um, because religion can be changed, you know, a little bit at a time from the people in power. Um, so we can, so they can, um, you know, nudge people in a uh, certain direction. Mm. Oh, you have to uh, go. Uh, go into war with these people because uh, God says so. Or you have to uh, live your life in, in, in that fashion mm. because now we interpreted, you know, before we interpreted this uh, scripture in that way, also how religion uses um, uh, fiction mm. <laughs> and songs and poetry and things like that to um, manipulate it. Uh, it's, uh, Mean word, yeah, but that's uh, that's how I see it actually. How they use it to manipulate people to sort of people. set their standards and to set their yeah. frames, right? Exactly, and also to uh, to show what is the right sexuality, what is the right gender, uh, because that's a big part of um, most uh, religions. On this topic of uh, sexuality in the in the past, in the Middle Ages, um, and the research of that, what do you think the future will bring on this topic? Do you think that there's going to be more research of this in the next five, ten years, or? Yeah, I think there will, because um, right now we are in um, in in the middle of a big change. I think um, uh, just uh, right now we are talking of. Uh, uh, trans children, how uh, can they, um, when can they uh, be seen as their uh, 
their true uh, gender, their true sex. And, we, and, and right, right now we, we need to, uh, to look at the past and maybe also to, um, to see the way, the natural way <laughs> isn't natural. It's constructed. Um, mm. Some years ago, the, uh, they found a, a grave um, um, from the Vikings, uh, where there mm. was uh, yeah. two two women <laughs> laying together with their arms around each other, and um, right, yeah, uh, everybody was like, "Oh, uh, lesbianism in the." Um, uh, Viking era and things like that, and I don't know if that's true. I don't know if we ever can get the answer. Um, but like before, when people collected the medieval ballads, they uh, looked for um, heterosexual romance because it was what the thing was um, in the in the nineteenth century. Now we are open mm-hmm. to looking for other ways to uh, do mm. gender to do sexuality so i think it's it's um, an area we will dive into a lot in the coming years there's definitely a lot more things to be uncovered and to be reflected and i think we'll see it too in our historical fiction that they'll be more open to making movies or tv series that have queer characters as a way of sort of saying yeah well, we interpret the past in this way, or we believe that that would have been the case back then as well. Yeah, and it's it would be easy for them, you know. I know I could also talk of other <laughs> kinds of fiction, but I choose to talk about the medieval ballads. It's all there. Cross-dressing, uh, mm. trans people, um, homoerotic love, um, Incest, um, you know, Game of Thrones, the way uh, the Lannister siblings uh, are loving each other. Of course, when Mm. you look at the medieval ballads, it's uh, illegal, but it isn't more illegal Mm -hmm. than uh, oral sex. It's the same. And today we look at it and say, ah, um, you know, as an author, you steal, you you steal all the time. And it's it's okay. You you're allowed yeah. to authors, as you said, uh, historical fiction. You can you can go back, read uh, these uh, different works, and get inspired. Mm. Because in fantasy, you know, like before, they just uh, not everybody, but it, but a lot of people just took the uh, heteronormative way and applied it in into their fantasy, uh, to their fantasy mm. novels. Um, now they can see, okay, it's possible to do classic fantasy. <laughs> I think uh, for me, one of the earliest examples of sort of queer myth uh, that I found was um, the story of uh, Thor and Loki with um, Thor cross-dressing to get the hammer back because that was such an early story that I was told. But honestly, I don't know if that writing of that myth was in a time where they liked to find like the reinterpretations of ballads or whether that just really was something that that story included in all its past versions that Thor, to be able to get his hammer back, had to dress as his own bride yeah. for... It's, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, you see it in a lot of uh, early um, literature, 
the idea of um, mm. of cross dressing and also like in uh, in the myth about Tom Thor, the the idea if if you just put the other uh, gender's dress on, you you are that gender. Um, I think it's uh, it's legit. He doesn't shave his beard. <laughs> no, exactly. And in the medieval, well, all, all right, maybe you shave your beard, or you, uh, if you're a, a girl, uh, like woman, you cut your hair. You cut your hair. You mm -hmm. dress as a man. But in a lot of um, mm -hmm. uh, the ballads, uh, the maid and the stable boy. Yeah. Um, to modern ear, it sounds um, insane, but the maid, she dressed as a stable boy, so she could become a knight, basically. And um, another knight mm -hmm. uh, falls in love with him, because he mm -hmm. he sees uh, the main character as a, as a man. And it isn't before she's pregnant that he recognizes, well, maybe it's a, it's, it's a woman. And... And I, it isn't said. Oh well, they were stupid, um, but <laughs> I read it as it wasn't that important. <laughs> and he was a, a, a guy he fell in love with, um, and he chose to take to bed. The the maid and the stable boy was part of the storytelling entertainment of that time. Yeah. Is there a possibility that they? I mean, chose those kinds of narratives because they found them, ironically enough, particularly funny or like a punchline or a joke somehow. Of course, of course, there is. I can, I, I don't know how they <laughs> how it worked, but a lot of these stories, a, a lot of the uh, medieval ballads uh, per se, is um, they are um, they are ending badly. <laughs> that that mm. one actually doesn't understand me right. They don't see it as a as a good thing he is it's mm. wrong what they are doing but the funny thing right. is the the wrong thing is that they aren't married that's the you know the 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 center of the conflict the medieval ballads we also have a different kind of medieval ballads who are funny they they are funny and they want to be mm. funny they okay. want to be tragic and um uh, they want to tell big stories about love and hate and things like that. Uh, they are epic. Um, <laughs> and I, they don't tell it because it was normal. That's not what I'm saying. But they show mm. us that you can, that it was possible to recognize these things. It was possible to see them, to write about them. Maybe because they were funny, maybe because they were scary or bad or naughty. Um, but but they existed. And um, mm -hmm. and it was it wasn't okay, but it was recognized. There's also another ballad um called Elselil, I can't uh, translate that. But where the king he sees a particularly beautiful knight. He says to his servant, oh, I would like to go holding his hand. I would like to dance with him. And the servant says, well, mm, that wouldn't be so good. But he has a sister and she looks just like him. Mm -hmm. Couldn't you just use her? Mm -hmm. He's like, well, yeah, all right. And then he marries the sister. Um, uh, mm. So, of course, uh, same-sex love was frowned upon, but it's there. And he didn't, mm -hmm. the servant didn't say, oh, you're a monster, you're a homosexual, mm -hmm. he says, 
Well, you can't marry a dude, but maybe you could take his sister uh, because she looks mm-hmm. like him. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a different way uh, that you can't marry a dude because you can't make children <laughs> you can't with a, right, a yeah. guy. Um, that's the reason. Right. It's the reproduction element. Yes. That's why if you weren't in a marriage to reproduce and if you just had sex not to reproduce, it was seen as a bad thing. Exactly. Equal. And actually, equally, the things we should, we see as a part of heterosexuality uh, today, mm-hmm. um, a lot of these things were, were seen as unnatural, as wrong in the past times mm-hmm. because the... Right. Uh, procreation was important. But then again, there are also lots of other things that happened nowadays that I don't think people in the Middle Ages could even think to imagine. Like of course. Women working in certain jobs or <laughs> like the just the differences to our reality is already so different uh, than what was back then. So it, it would be silly to try and recreate the values one-to-one because it's just a different time. Exactly, exactly. Um... Many people see uh, fantastic literature as, you know, genre literature, literature that's just um, uh, for entertainment. But the thing you can do, as I already said, is that you can uh, make a mirror for the modern times, or for our everyday life, um, uh, and make people uh, see maybe not see the world differently that would be <laughs> great but 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 uh, reflect that i think that's a great note to finish up on today thank you so much for uh, joining us for this fantastic talk uh, episode and you can find more on our website imaginingtheimpossible.com uh, you can find uh, our youtube talks uh, on our imagining the impossible youtube channel or check more out on instagram and that's it for this time <laughs>